It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. He's done it again. Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut. Hey everybody and welcome to FRS Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Oren, Polly Quistel, Elliot Niblock. It's early Friday morning, Black Friday morning here, and uh, I don't think any one of us have been out battling the masses for stuff. Uh, Good lord, no. But uh, we're still all pretty tired, but we'll, we'll get I through mean, this. I, I battled, I battled the masses last night on the internet looking for those deals. <laughs> I got a lot of them. Oh yeah. But... It wasn't cold. I didn't have to throw any elbows. No, I mean the thing is that I don't. I'm not in the uh, market for like a 4K TV yet. So I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out and get anything. But clothing, clothing deals. You get really good clothing deals on the internet. Yeah. Well, I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I went out before Thanksgiving and got that stuff because they had pre. Black Friday sale at the outlet near here. So got that all taken care of already. Not bad. I just I went on when I got home. Yeah. After dinner. Yeah. You know, the mm-hmm. lovely corners of the internet. Yes. The lovely corners. Huh, let's uh, get into it. Match day thirteen coming up here. And Burnley. We all know they don't get a lot of points on the road, but they play at home in the early game on Saturday against Manchester City. Uh, Going to be a tough one there, but City will once again be without Vincent Company. And, um, you know, I was perusing the internet, as I do before we start recording, and came up on an article that said that Company has been out for two and a half years during his time at Man City. Yeah, I was just going to say... I was just going to say, like, when do we get to the point where we just start saying that, oh, Vincent Company's actually playing? Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't act- I didn't know that Vincent Company had returned when I, when I saw the news that he was going to be out again. Like, <laughs> I, I saw, like, he's going to be out, and I was like, oh, I yeah. didn't know I didn't know you were back. Oh, yeah. No, he... Yeah. Let's see. He featured in... I'm trying to figure out what game it was. It was the last league game against Palace. I think he had to go off after 34 minutes. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's like the old joke about the Arsenal injury reports of, you know, that uh, uh, Jack Wilshire is Jack Wilshire and Abu is Diaby. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, it's sad. I mean, when he's, you know, at his best, I don't know. I mean... This has probably affected his standard too. I mean, he's probably you know he's oh, yeah. not going to be able to be the player he once was, but um, he was very dominant at his in his prime. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, you know, it's and even when you're able to 
perform at a high level. You know, I've, I've had four rib injuries this year from bike crashes. And even when I'm able to get back in the literal saddle, you know, you feel it for a while and like, you're just not able to, to change direction quite as quickly or push yourself quite as hard for quite as long. And, you know, once you're actually totally firing on all cylinders, sometimes it takes you a while to even recognize that. And that recognition has a lot to do also with your confidence and decisiveness on the pitch. So yeah, it's, it's a huge blow for city. I mean, obviously in terms of our own personal club allegiances, none of us are particularly sad that city has a huge blow, but you know, for the man himself, you never wish that on anyone. And it, it is really a bummer for him having missed that much time of his career. Yeah. So 37 separate injuries. Uh, a lot of them have been calf and chin problems. Um, been out for a total of 878 days. Woof. Woof. <laughs> I mean, that's just, yeah, some players are made out of glass. Yeah. Mm. So how do you think they'll fare without him against Burnley at Turf Moor? Well, again, he hasn't, first of all, their issues this year haven't been defensive the way that, uh, the way that they were last year. Last year, they just couldn't win without him. Uh, I don't think that's the case this year because they started out winning this year without him. Their issues have been more perplexing this year. Like, why aren't they winning? Because, mm-hmm. again, I don't, I, I'm, I'm confused as to what's gone wrong when they stop, when, when they just can't beat these teams. But, their their bigger issue here is just going to be the fact that Burnley's really good at home. Yeah, it's it more about breaking down Burnley going forward than it is about keeping a clean sheet at the back. But I, I, I don't know. I still think that with their troubles in terms of keeping a clean sheet at the back, you got to say that, uh, you know, well, look at last week against Crystal Palace. They were still able to grab all three points yet with conceding a goal. Mm-hmm. Um Boy, what is when is the last clean sheet that City had? Looks like West Brom in match day ten. Um, it was like yeah, two weeks know. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. But, but on the whole, though, that they've not been as consistent. I think on either end of the pitch as we would have expected. I mean, do you guys think it's fair to say that it's pretty clear that De Bruyne is having the best season of anyone in a City shirt so far? Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's partially, you know, again, it's not that Sergio Aguero is having a bad year. He's not by any means, but he's hasn't been as utterly dominant as he might have been in the past, which is, you know, I I think that still, though, you expect that this to be similar to I, I still think you've got to expect City to come in and show that they're title challengers in a game like this or you know if they let the pressure tell and drop two points maybe even all three though less likely than you know these these are the games that you point to when you're coming up on the first week of may and say okay like that's the difference between a championship season and another top four is a trophy Mm -hmm. yeah i mean right now they coming into match day 13 in third place 27 points one point behind chelsea in the lead and level in points with liverpool so there's no definitely no need to panic for a city, but 
I, I feel like after that good start, they've really been hot and cold. Because, I mean, yeah. we see them get thumped by Barcelona. Then after that, you know, they got a draw against Southampton and they lost against United in the EFL Cup. But then they bounce back and they smash West Brom on the road. And then they beat Barcelona. But then after that, you go back and you struggle against Middlesbrough. You drop points there. You, you, you know, you edge out a close win over Crystal Palace. And then we saw them during the week here get a 1-1 draw against Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Champions League. So uh, it, this, it, I, That's always been the Man City thing, though. Yeah. For some reason, their players just lack motivation. Uh, usually, it only happens when they're defending a title because it's like, oh, we won the title last year, like we did our job. And then when they, when they haven't won the title last year, it's like, okay, we're here to win a title and they're motivated to win it. I don't know why this year it's it's happening again when you know when they they don't have a championship to defend. So you're saying that Pep Guardiola is a bad motivator. I'm not saying Pep Guardiola is a bad motivator. I'm saying all of their managers have been bad motivators because these players are just mercenaries that are just there for their paychecks. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then again, I feel like this is you know we the the jury is still out on Pep Guardiola's Man City because if if we feel that he has been able to cultivate that in the locker room come you know February March then you got to give him due credit but also he's never not that he, he, and, I mean, wait, he does want he does want to win but I don't think that he's ever been the kind of manager who's just like going to get in there and light a huge fire underneath the players. I mean, he doesn't, you know, obviously we talk about Sir Alex all the time on this show, given y'all's allegiance, but like he, he doesn't strike me as that kind of personal and collective motivator of character, you know, in just his managerial style, he seems far more cerebral and yes, you still see him get fired up on the sidelines sometimes, but it's just, it, it doesn't seem to me to be in his managerial DNA. Mm-hmm. The jury should still be out. I mean, it's been two and a half months into his his reign, or three months, however long it's been. Like, you know, you can't really judge a guy yeah. on three months when it's a new manager, especially when, you know, he's here to win a title, which he literally cannot win until May. The only yeah. person that you could actually call a failure is Mourinho and United. Now, Perhaps a specialist in one. Per- Oof. That, that, the jury's not out on that anymore. He failed. Yeah guilty <laughs> yeah well yeah well let's not get into that right now uh burnley though um sam vokes leading goal scorer there he's got four goals for for the clarets uh he does need some more help though i feel like he's very much alone yeah well it's, it's burnley <laughs> <laughs> well what were you expecting yeah uh, I mean, at least that more than one player would have more than one goal. Do you remember yeah. QPR a few seasons ago when it was Charlie Austin and 10 people wearing a QPR shirt? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Burnley right now, they're in 12th. They got 14 points. So um, definitely on pace for being able to stay up. So we'll see if they can get any points against C at Turf Moor where they do play a lot better than they do on the road. Then Swansea, they host Crystal Palace. Uh, Bob Bradley, 
our American hero, still looking for his first win in charge at the Swans. Hero's a strong word. Yes. This is the guy who started Robbie Finley and Ricardo Clark in multiple World Cup games. <laughs> I don't know about hero. Okay, well, let's before we just as a quick aside. Would you rather have him than Bruce Arena replacing Jurgen Klinsmann? No. Mm, I think I might actually. I I I don't want either of them. Right. I, exactly. But, like, exactly. I don't want either of them, the and I think. Evils. But I also think that right now everybody is just only remembering the good times and not remembering like. Hey, there's a reason that we were looking for any excuse to fire Bob Bradley. Yeah. Hmm. So, two teams coming in in very poor form. Mm. Yeah. And just to just to also to uh, the last game that Bob Bradley coached for the U.S., he started Freddie Adu. So. Ooh, Freddie. And that was like seven years after Freddie Adu first became a thing, and like six years after we had established that. Even though we made Freddie do a thing, he sucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looking at Palace, though, they have five straight losses. Prior to that, they had a draw against Everton. Their last win came on match day six against Sunderland. But they won like four in a row. Mm-hmm. In but, September. But the, uh, the drop has started early. It didn't start this early last season. Well, they were a good team in the first half last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now they're down in 16th place. They're only one point away from the drop zone. I feel like that's definitely not good enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, but I, you know, that said, I also think that we all anticipate Slavin Bilic steering them north of there before season's end. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that he's realistically in danger of losing his job, even if where they're at at the table right now is kind of shocking. Now you're talking West Ham. We're talking Palace. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yes, the same can be said about Alan Pardew, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, just looking at... You know, some of the plays they have, I, I feel like they should be doing a lot better. They got Benteke. They got Yon Kabaye. Andrus Townsend. Jason Punchin. Yeah. yeah, the defense isn't super sexy. Um, we'll see. If... <laughs> all of, To be fair, all of those things, a, a strong cast of characters and a defense that isn't super sexy, could also be said of West Ham one point. Clear yeah, the that is true. That is very, very true. Yeah, and I mean, look, looking at their goalkeeper too, I mean, Steve Mandanda, he might be out. I haven't read the latest, but, um, you know, they also got Speroni and Hennessy, so I feel like they should be doing a little better. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Then the Swansea, they're bottom of the table. They desperately need to win here. Um, I know Bradley's come in at a bad, you know, junction of the season, taking over a slumping team like this, but... He needs a win here badly, and he really does. this could be the perfect team to to play this weekend. I this is, I mean, obviously we'll get to predictions later, but I think that this is the first time since he's taken over in which I feel like, okay, Bob, maybe you'll finally get this one. 
After that, we got Chelsea Tottenham, London Derby. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty pretty clearly the premier fixture of the Premier League weekend and match day 13. I disagree, but keep going. R- really? Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to whatever you think it is eventually. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I obviously I don't have a lot of personal partisan love for either of these teams, but I think that you know, top of the table Chelsea taking on slightly struggling but nonetheless undefeated Tottenham in a local derby is a fantastic game to watch. Yeah, Spurs. I'm not saying it's not going to be a fantastic game to watch. But you're more excited about Watford Stoke. (laughs) Just saying saying Sunday at 11 a.m., that's like the premier time slot. That's where they put the best games, and it's United United West Ham this week. Yeah. Uh... it's not a subjective statement. It's an objective one. It's based on TV times, and they put the best games at certain times. Chelsea Tottenham are playing at 1230 <laughs> Eastern. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Chelsea on the roll. They're top of the table. Six straight wins, six straight clean sheets. Uh, Spurs, we've seen them. They draw a lot of games. They're still up there. They're in fifth. They're four points behind Chelsea, so a win would do them a lot of good here. Uh, they just have no defenders in this game, and it's probably necessary to have them when you're about to have a rematch of the most hotly contested match in the Premier League last year. Yeah. That's what yeah. it comes down to. Um, this is the game that got out of hand last year, and um, they need to, one, ensure that that doesn't happen again because the six games that Dembele missed from that game, like, it's almost still hurting them, mm-hmm. even though he's back. Um, and, and right now, uh, Danny, Danny Rose is suspended. There's no Toby Alderweireld. Uh, I think they're missing another defender. I'm not entirely sure about that. Chelsea are going to be missing John Terry, which might actually just help them. Yeah, that doesn't hurt them at all. So... And, I mean, we've already seen that. It could get ugly for Spurs, but they are at home, so. No, no, it's yeah, Chelsea's Chelsea's at home, home, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's at Stamford Bridge. Okay, so it could get ugly for Spurs. No, but. <laughs> um, it could. I'll, I'll be interested Harry to see Kane if. Harry does score against London teams by the boatload. Yeah, he does. Um, I'll be interested to see if, if Pochettino has Spurs also line up with three defenders at, a, at the back. Um, Which because he might because they did that against Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but does he have does he have someone that can play as the left wing back? That's a good question. Because like mean, Ben Davies can't really do that. You yeah, know, you do that when you have Walker and Rose. You can't really do that when you have Ben Davies or worse, God forbid, if you have to start Bertolini at left back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe missing DeAndre Yedlin, are they? <laughs> I made that joke already. He did play left back this year in the summer. Uh, yeah. On their summer tour of Australia, he played left back. Oh, man. 
Tom Carroll. Does Tom Carroll still exist? No, didn't he? No, I think Tom Carroll left over the summer. No. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers, maybe? Yeah, that would be oh, a good first game. He's got to stay on the bench. Yeah. Got to keep him on the bench. Tom Carroll plays for Swan? No, that was last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there. this is a game that I don't. Uh, Chelsea's Tom has 18 sheet. international appearances for England youth teams. That's absurd. Yeah. Chelsea's clean sheet streak might get broken by a bit of Harry Kane London rivalry magic, but I, I still think that, especially since they're playing at Stamford Bridge, as you said, Paulie, this could get ugly for Tottenham. I mean, it might, they might let in a goal, but it still might be 4 1. Mm-hmm. And odds on a red card in this one should not pay out that much. So, yeah. No um... kidding. Although I don't, I don't think it'll be quite the the dumpster fire that it was oh gosh but a beautiful dumpster fire like a dumpster fire <laughs> lit up by the northern lights in the background or Ooh, something okay. um but like you know when tottenham was free falling and slumping their way towards uh a hilarious ignominity at the end of the season i mean i i, I don't think that it's going to be quite as bad as all that but yes yeah, you're right they're should be pretty short odds on somebody being sent off in this match, especially considering, you know, how fiery it was last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one hothead is, of course, Diego Costa, although he seems in a pretty good place right now. Yeah, he's in great form, so yeah. that helps. So we'll 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 see what happens there. How how do you think Spurs will react though to crashing out of the Champions League? I mean. That's by a good trying question. to lose their final game so that they don't go to the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's when Cameron Carter Vickers plays. I would prefer if he just didn't play anymore. Can't you can't risk showing him off to any other country that might be interested in him. <laughs> yeah, because I mean we've seen, you know, Chelsea, they're in the lead, Liverpool, they're second, none of them playing in the European competitions this season. So it's clearly been a an advantage. Yeah, and we discussed it on our last show. It's just if if you're not going to win it, then just get out of it already. Um, and United were close to, to even getting out of the Europa League the other day. I, I we we say that about the Europa League, not the Champions League. The Champions League you could stay in as long as you want. Um, I do find it funny that Arsenal might actually win their group this year and they will still end up drawing Bayern Munich. Oh, of course. Yeah, or, that's... I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. probably going to happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I was I was listening to uh, uh, Arsenal-specific podcasts, uh, the Ars the cast from Ars Blog last year, and they were doing it live during the Champions League draw Ooh, and nice. just listening to them just like, laughing in frustrated anger and just disbelief as we drew Barcelona. Uh, I will always remember but that. Like, what do you expect oh, when, you're, when you're in, when you're in pot two, like that's almost to be expected. It's like the odds yeah. of you drawing like a, a good team are like five out of eight. Yeah. This is like one out of eight chance you get Bayern Munich and you're going to get that. And we're going to get Bayern Munich. <laughs> mm. Uh, then we got four games on Sunday. We'll talk about two of them. The first one is Manchester United against West Ham. 
two underperforming teams. I would I would still say that West Ham has been more of a disappointment than Manchester United, seeing that they are yeah. in seventh oh, yeah. place. Because West Ham went and bought two hundred million dollars worth of players and signed the most arrogant manager ever, who said he could deliver a title. So yeah, they've been the, more, the bigger disappointment. Oh no, you're saying Manchester United. I'm saying West Ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I I'm mocking you... it. Yeah. I'm mocking. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I don't know. I think I agree with Seb on that one. I mean, you're seeing how well West Ham did last season. Yeah, and... yeah. West Ham didn't come into the season talking the talk. They came into the season saying. Yeah, we we played really well last year, and we want to finish stronger so that we could actually do better. But they weren't screaming that from the mountaintops; they were whispering it into microphones. If you shoved microphones into their faces, yeah, United but... were sitting there and going like, "Yeah, we're gonna do all this so that we could win a title," and they were screaming it from the mountaintops. Oh, you guys got Pep? Who cares? We got Jose. We're back. We're this. We're that. And like, where are we? Yeah, we're no, I mean, somewhere I... in the table where we're not competing for the top four. And I even texted my friend this week who's a Spurs fan and said, well, at least you don't have to worry about us competing for the top four next year either. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that on the one hand, yeah, given like the hubris of Jose Mourinho, which is clearly well documented, signing Paul Pogba for oodles of money. You, yeah, Man United season, both their their expectations were far higher and, you know, Maybe they were a little trumped up also, but I think that, you know, obviously they sit in sixth, which is to say six places behind where they would like to be or Mm -hmm. behind five teams that they would like to be ahead of. But West Ham, I think you can fairly say that you expected them to be 10 to 12 places higher in the table than they are. Okay, but also when you're 18th, there's more places that you can jump rather than when you're sixth. Yes. And that's one thing. And two is, again, the West Ham thing, were, that was fan expectations. Like, West Ham weren't going shouting from the rafters, hey, we're going to compete for the top four this year. That was well, fans saying, look, they had a really good season last year, and I think they got better, so I think that they sh- or I think they should be just as tough this year. Mm-hmm. Even though, when we spoke about West Ham last year, all we ever said was, no, oh, well, they'll, you know, 10 guys are going to kick a ball around, and then eventually Dimitri Pyatt's going to put the ball in the net. Um and we just assumed Dimitri Payet would have just as good of a season, which is really a big assumption. Yeah. Um, and, again, fan expectations. Ultimately, it was – and it wasn't just us three. It was most fans, yeah. most media members. But ultimately, what do we know? And those West Ham expectations all came from us as opposed to the United expectations where they created them themselves. Yeah. And they I haven't think, lived up to it. Yeah, I think that that's a fair point. And they spent two hundred million pounds on people. Yeah, God. Yeah, West Ham still went out and bought players too. I mean, they broke the transfer record on Andrew Ayew. I know he got injured in the first game of the season. They but... bought Andrew Ayew. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't. You, the players that West Ham bought are not allowed to be mentioned in the same sentence as the players that United bought. Yeah, Andre Ayew, very good player though. Very, very good player. I mean, they have but some that's quality. Just going. That's just adding to the other players that we... How many players on United right now have they broken their own transfer record for? I have no idea. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, let's... Yeah, I'm not even going to start digging into that one. But I, I feel like West Ham have enough uh, Rooney, quality in the Luke Shaw, be a lot better Juan than this. Mata, Paul Pogba, 
They've already sold the player that they broke their transfer record for. Well, uh, they, um, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, Mata Marti- uh, Martial's fourth Martial, yeah. Um, that's probably, <laughs> but that's five players. Yeah, I mean, that's I, not I, counting, I... That's not counting the second highest player that they've ever bought, which is Angel Di Maria. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I, I think that... You know your your point is well taken, Paul. That nobody nobody even if we expected and have had those expectations frustrated West Ham to be much higher up the table than they are. Nobody was realistically going to mention them in the same breadth as Manchester United, right? No, but I of expectations and class and obviously purchasing power. Yeah, but if you're saying to me, okay. One of these two teams are going to be in eighth place, and one of these two teams are going to be in seventeenth place. And you tell me West Ham, Watford. Then I'm saying, oh, West Ham, they'll definitely be in eighth place after yeah, twelve but again, games. That's just because we come into the season with a preconceived notion of how all these teams are going to do, and we literally just base that off of last year's table. Which, mm-hmm. first of all, it's like the NFL. There's always a team that was really good, and for no reason whatsoever, the following year they stink. That happens in the Premier League too. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing, but also like. But we already have like, that team in Leicester. But we knew Leicester weren't going to be as good. I know, but 14th place, two points above the drop. After right, we didn't. Games. Well, that's because we didn't. We didn't think that they were just going to play as the champions. Yeah, <laughs> right. That they were going to absolutely just throw every single game right before the champions. Yeah, they're they're doing the anti-Tottenham. Yeah, I mean. We're what match day five, so that's that's fifteen points that right there that they've just willingly gave up. Mm. Mm. Uh, let's get back to United though. They did take a win in their latest game here in the Europa League yesterday. Dude, and... spoiler alert! I'm watching it right now. I don't care. Four nothing against Feyenoord. <laughs> uh, actually, co- actually, they just played Zlatan in for a beautiful chance, and he kicked it right at the goalie. So, uh, a couple of good goals. I look goals. forward to seeing more of that next year now. Did you see his setup for Rooney's goal? Yes, it yeah, was gorgeous. That's what he's <laughs> capable of, so shut up. Um, Juan Mata got on the score sheet as well, and then Jesse Lingard had a nice little shot there at the end. Uh, you'll see that later, Polly. Um, you know what I'm surprised about, though? What? That Jose Mourinho did not go ahead and do something to get himself suspended for the next game or something like that. Oh, you because don't now Mourinho to has to take a trip to the Ukraine. I uh, can still and manage to piss someone off. I was, con- I mean, well, he got himself into this own mess by not winning the first games, but I was convinced and they secured qualification. Mourinho wouldn't even get on that plane, mm-hmm. but good. Good for you. Good. I'm glad that Jose now has to go to the Ukraine. Hopefully he gets arrested for something there and they, they detain him. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Putin's going to use his influence on behalf of Abramovich and an old <laughs> grudge from Chelsea in order to make a further push no, into the Ukraine. That's, that's how he's going to get out of prison. <laughs> is Abramovich is going to be like, whoa, don't let them not have him. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's my question to you, though. Yeah. When did he yesterday? He becomes wow. United's all-time scoring leader in Europe. He's now one goal back from Bobby Charlton. But, like, do you feel like it counts at this point because he's getting the Europa League goals in there to, to inflate his total? 
Yeah, it still counts. I mean, I think overall the level of competition is higher these days. So, um, yeah, I'll count them. That's fine by me. It sounds... There's a little bit of... Polly, are you eating your microphone right now? What? Are you eating your microphone right now? Maybe. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Uh, I was going to... Not scoring? Yeah. Um, He's not scoring domestically. It just... There's a little bit of like a he's compiling right now. Does Bob Bob <laughs> score? Hmm. Come on. It's just it's a little bit like he's he's being a bit of a compiler, okay. especially in Europe. He's hmm. using the Europa League to inflate that goal total. It's okay. I'm okay with that. Henrik Mkhitaryan you know, got to start. Wrong. I'm start. I'm just starting to feel like he's a compiler. Okay. Let's move on to Henrik Mkhitaryan. He got to, he got a start. It looks pretty good. How about that? Played pretty well. Um, will he continue to start? Maybe. Um, Maybe. I mean, it depends on. I mean, we've spoken about this before. I mean, is he going to go with nifty ball players like Amada Mkhitaryan because they have very good link up play and slotting up front, or are you going to go more the speedy route with Martial right, well, Rashford? He but I wants, think that I think that they he wants did to keep well. Going here. with Zlatan, so you pretty much you gotta if you're going with Zlatan, you have to start Mkhitaryan. Also, at a certain point, you can only keep not winning so many home games against crappy teams and still justify keeping Henrik Mkhitaryan out of the team. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, so they got West like, Ham here on Sunday, and then they play again on Wednesday in the EFL Cup. Oh, oh yeah, we play them again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same venue, not same time, but yeah, they play again on Wednesday. In a team that'll probably look more like the team that played on Thursday. That should, uh, or that should... If, if not an even younger and uh, less competitive side. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Do you think teams are going to start taking this seriously now that we're in the quarterfinals? Eh. We'll we'll throw out our same. We'll throw out the same. Like the same. I mean, with United, it's good to have a plethora of players that it's like, oh, we're not mailing this in. The only time you could be like, wow, Mourinho really doesn't care is if you somehow see like Memphis Depay make the team. Oh, ouch! Who deserves a start? I think Memphis deserves a start. You know, like a start. Just let him play ninety minutes so we can see what he does. But mm. at this point. He is in such he is in such a doghouse that it's like if he actually starts, then the team will get fined for not taking the competition seriously and being blatant <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would I wouldn't be shocked to see Sergio Romero get the starting in that one on Wednesday at least. That's for sure. Did okay yesterday. Um, then we also oh, got oh, yes. Southampton Everton is the last game we're going to talk about before heading into our predictions. So, Southampton playing two Liverpool teams in a row here. Got a scoreless draw at home against Liverpool last last match day. Now they take on Everton. So, will they fare even better against the second Liverpool side? Well, I mean, I think that Everton, you know, they obviously they are not 
yeah, there's also as with Man U sitting on 19 points at the moment, but the they haven't been as hugely they haven't had as large a deviation in their inconsistency as Liverpool have. So I don't know. I think that this is a game. They only that, have one win in the last five. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I think yeah. this is a game in which you expect the Saints to maybe nick all three points, but more likely, I think this one's got a draw written on it. Mm. But we'll see. I don't know. Maybe Lukaku can surprise me. Yeah, I mean that that's their definitely their go-to guy. And if you're just looking at that, you know, you got Lukaku on one end, and then you got Charlie Austin on the other. Oh, my God, dude. What's up with you putting players who don't deserve to be in the same sentence in the same sentence today? I'm just saying they're top scorers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And also, they're going to be at the point of attack at opposite ends of the same pitch. Lukaku, seven goals. He's like a top scorer with talent that could actually – that, like, leads the line for a premier team in in the world internationally, internationally Mm -hmm. speaking. Uh, Charlie Austin is the top scorer by default because someone has to be the top scorer on every team, and on Southampton, it's Charlie Austin. Well, yeah, I don't think Seb was saying that they're necessarily of comparable classes, no. but they are in comparable positions for their respective teams who will play one another this weekend. Correct. Yeah, like you're being like, oh, it's going to be, it's, you know, this isn't this isn't a, a Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning thing where you're, you're like you're putting their names up on the marquee. No one's going to this game to see uh, Charlie Austin. Well, a lot of Saints fans. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're a Southampton fan, you are. <laughs> okay, but that's the, that's that's not it. Because if you're a Saints fan, you're going to see Southampton. Like, yeah, yeah. Think about it from the neutral perspective or something. Or The game's in Everton, right? No, it's in... Uh, no, it's in It's, in it's at St. Mary's. Oh, so they're all going to the game anyway. Um, <laughs> but... You know, if you're a fan of a team and you don't have season tickets and you go to a game every so often and sometimes you just like to pick it based on, you know, uh, who who the other team is playing for. For example, mm-hmm. like when the Chicago Blackhawks come to New York, I go to the game every year. I love watching Jonathan Taves. I love watching Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Taves. No one, no one in any Premier League city is going, oh, Southampton, oh, Charlie Austin's coming to town? This week, I'm going to go to the game. <laughs> yep. and Who knows? There, there might, might be some be closet Austin fans. That do that. There might, might, underline the word might, might be people out there that do that for Romulo Lukaku. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I mean, I, I can no see that. No one's doing happen. it for Charlie Austin. Yeah. I mean, I still want to see what Lukaku can do in a proper, you know, title contender Team. Okay, come to up be... short the same way that he does for Belgium. Mm, I'm not so sure. I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I think Belgium look extremely dangerous right now. It's unfortunate for them that they're peaking not in a major major tournament year, but they look. I, all they right, look excellent. all right. We discuss this all the time when we talk about when we talk about England. Like it's very easy to look dangerous if you're a European powerhouse when you're not yeah, playing. playing the other year when you're playing Malta and, and Monica, Moldova yeah. Yeah. and Luxembourg, it's very easy to look dangerous because, you know, Italy, Spain, England, they all look dangerous right now. Yeah. Yeah. So keep keep winning, rack up your FIFA points, get be the be the number one ranked team in FIFA, go to the tournament and then lose to Colombia or something. They're not. Yeah. 
I mean, just looking at their squad, I mean, they got a lot of players that have very, you know, prominent positions in their club squad too. So I think that Belgium oh. are in a much better oh. spot than England. Right, but Bel- but oh, yeah. okay, but at the same time, this Belgium team could very well just be the like 2004, 2005, 2006 England team. Because that England team had a lot of players in very prominent spots for very good teams. Yeah. You know, that England team had had people that were playing in very prominent spots for teams that routinely made it to the semifinals of the Champions League. You know, there were there were a couple there were like three years in a row where United, Chelsea, and Liverpool all made the semifinals. Yeah. But we also have the thing there that we talked spoke about, you know, that English players they don't really go out of their comfort zone. A lot of them just stay in England. Whereas in the Belgian side you but actually back have then, back then like England was actually like the best league. Yeah. Like back then England dominated the Champions League. That's no longer the case mm-hmm. for one reason or another. Maybe it's because England aren't the best team. Maybe it's because the league is so deep that the teams just don't have the energy to do it. Yeah. Um, but you need... So these days, it would be good to leave your comfort zone. Back then, England should have been... You know, England should have won... At Euro 2004, I, I still don't understand how they didn't win it. And, like, it's a shame that all of Europe allowed Greece to happen. But... yes. Not as much of a shame as it is that all of Europe allowed Portugal. Left. It's it's on the same. I mean, at least Portugal has a couple of creative players. Greece, oh, they were just oh my god. I feel I feel totally the opposite because I was going to say at least Greece is somewhat of a true Cinderella story. Yeah, but without Germany, the bell of the ball like, that is Ronaldo. Look at, look at that. I mean, granted, Germany wasn't Germany yet. They were in their state of flux, but they didn't get out of the group. Spain wasn't Spain yet, but they didn't get out of the group. It was like yeah. the. The big traditional powerhouses all got bounced early. I mean, at least, at least this year, you had France making the finals. France and Germany were in the semifinals. Yeah. I mean, teams teams progressed. That tournament was like, all of a sudden you look around, like England was looking around at, at minnows, and somehow didn't win it. Mm. And by somehow, I mean Wayne Rooney broke his foot and. The rest is history. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so quickly before we get into our scoring predictions, um, Elliot, you were not here when we spoke about the Klinsman firing and the hiring of Bruce Arena. So I'm going to give you a minute or so and just vent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it just it feels like. Why are we assuming like... that he's going to vent? Well, because <laughs> because it feels like one step forward, two steps back. I mean, and I no no no, that... no 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 I strongly disagree with that. It's more than two steps back. <laughs> okay, okay, touche. Well, we can agree on backpedaling. Backpedaling is definitely happening. The thing that I'm curious about, and if I think that if Gulati had any sense, he probably offered this to Klinsman, and Klinsman declined. But asking him, and you know, we spoke about this on the show a week or two ago, but you know his acumen as technical director. I mean, it'd be great. I don't think that would have happened. Oh, I don't think, I don't don't think he would have done that because I don't think Bruce Arena would have taken the job if that was the case. Yeah. I, I, eh, I think, I think it's more likely that Klinsman would refuse than Arena would turn it down if Klinsman was still technical director. Um, 
I mean that, but that's just you know my personal feeling, and of course none of us will ever know this because these are discussions that happen behind closed doors, unless you know Jurgen Klinsmann decides, a la Landon Donovan, that he has a chip on his shoulder and wants to vent <laughs> long after the fact that he his ship has sailed from U.S. soccer. Uh, oh my God, wouldn't that be hilarious if Bruce Arena picks Landon Donovan, who has now it come out took, of retirement? It took less than 12 hours for someone to suggest it, and that's one of my issues is, and I mentioned this with Seb the other day, the same way that that um, that Sam Howard, I said, oh, England has problems on defense. Oh, I know, let's try to get John Terry out of retirement. Yeah. The LA Galaxy had problems this year, and Bruce Arena's suggestion wasn't, let's look for a diamond in the rough out of the kids that we got. It's Let's call Landon Donovan, who hasn't played in a year and a half. Yeah, boy. I mean, and that's now that's the guy that has a win now mandate from U.S. Soccer. Yeah, I it's it, it is it's extremely disappointing. Um, and and the other thing that's disappointing is that I have to cheer for him because my God, we certainly don't want to miss out on the World Cup, but. Also, if he guides us through the hex, having had zero points from the first two games, then Gulati's going to be hard-pressed not to offer him a contract through the end of the World Cup. And, ugh, gross. Ugh, God. Yeah, it, it does just feel... It, but it's also... everyone, everyone I speak to, like, uses the same words. Like, it feels like regression. And that's because it there's, is. There's, it's selective memory. Because... Yeah, all right. So Bruce Arena has um, he has experience guiding us through the hex. Bruce Arena also came closer than Jurgen Klinsmann ever did to not even making it to the hex. We were like 30 minutes away from from getting eliminated in like preliminary qualifying one time, um, and then we did make it to the hex. We lost two games. All right, we lost two games. The first two games for the first time ever. But, like, that's just, all right, it's two games. Uh, Bruce Arena lost three in a row in the Hex one time, including losing at home to Honduras, which is, by the way, his first game. And that Honduras team is, by the way, not nearly as good. The one that he lost to is not nearly as good as the current Honduras team. So this should be fun. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Ugh. Well, we will have plenty more opportunities to rant rave and lament over the course of the next year oh yeah yeah it'll be fun it will we'll see uh, what happens there in march when he picks his first squad but you know he already said that it's going to look fairly similar to what we saw under but capti so. cameron carter vickers and then you could kick him out of the squad and not call him up for another two years that's fine if yeah. you don't want, if you don't think he's ready to help you now that's fine but put him on the field for five minutes in one of these games just suck it up, do it, and and then you can get rid of him. Which Klinsman already very clearly should have done, and yet right. Didn't. That's that's going to be Klinsman's biggest biggest failure. Well, it's maybe not- he knew that he was up against it, and he's like, "Screw you guys! I'm not going to cup tie him. Ha ha! Let's see him go to England and be amazing for the next decade and play for me. No. And yeah, play for me in England. <laughs> I don't. I think. I think that this is a decision that surprised Jurgen Klinsman. It is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I don't think so. so. I, I got to say, though, uh, quick, uh, what did you think about his message to the fans? I thought he was very classy. Yeah. Well, he always has been. Yeah. No, I, 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 haven't, I haven't always agreed with him, but I've never thought that he was the kind of, like, 
human horror show that y'all have at Old Trafford in Jose Mourinho. I just, yeah, I did, because I didn't like the fact that, like, when in between the um, the Costa Rica game and then for, like, two days when he was fired, all the media pieces that came out were all about how bad he was and, you know, he was a terrible manager and then they were they were attributing all of his success to blind luck, you know, like, oh, we only got through in the World Cup because Portugal uh, played a high line against Germany and were absolutely idiots and got trounced, and that's why we got through on goal differential. Like, before the World Cup, we were saying a win, a draw, a loss, and prayed, and you could probably get through on goal differential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they're saying, oh, it's blind luck. And, oh, we yeah. only went finished fourth in the Copa America because Brazil didn't even get out of their group. Well, we won our group, so we probably wouldn't have even had to play Brazil if Brazil was actually trying in that tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, like, everybody's just, oh, his success was just down to dumb luck, and he was terrible. It was nice when you saw some people who, who actually were saying, like, remember, it's it's okay to be to think that Klinsman's a great guy, uh, a really nice person, like a great guy, and just ultimately his he ran his course at his job, and he wasn't having as much success at his job as he used to be. And, and it's time for him to and it's just time to make a change. Like, so the classy message it it didn't surprise me because that's that's what Jurgen is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I tell you what, you know who you know one person who is just doing cartwheels probably still after this decision is Don Garber of the MLS. <laughs> and Benny Philhaber. And oh. Benny Phil- and that's also my thing. It's like all these people all the, everybody keeps saying like, oh now all these MLS people are gonna get are gonna get a shot. And this is my problem is because people say I, we didn't have Jurgen Jurgen kept saying he had a long term plan, the long term vision and and then everybody goes, well, what was it? I didn't see it. Well, what was it? It was Julian Green was on the bench. Yeah, he didn't play, but, you know, Julian Green's on the bench in this game. He takes DeAndre Yedlin with him to the World Cup with no real intention of giving him a lot of playing time. And John Brooks to the World Cup with no real intention of giving him a lot of playing time. Now it's going to be, like, I don't need to see Bruce Arena go to the Hex and take 23 players that can help him win now. Okay? You yeah. only get 11 players go on the field. You get three subs. That's 14. So I want to see you take 15 or 16 players that can help you win now. And the rest, like, there's no harm in putting somebody on the bench if they're just going to watch. There's no harm in having Julian Green be the seventh or the eighth midfielder in the team, even if you think right now Benny Failhaber's better. Because Julian Green can help us in three years. Benny Failhaber's not. Like, I just get it. I I, think he wants Benny Failhaber, but, you know – Lee Wynn was playing at, a, at an MVP pace two years ago in in MLS also, and we gave him a shot, and he was terrible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that the Julian Greens and the Gideon Zalalems need to at least be training with the team, right, even if there. they're not Zalalem, in the starting like, club. Gideon Zalalem, I rank right up there as with Darlington Nagby as, like, he's really – Okay, like we have a lot of hype around him, but like, has he done anything? <laughs> well, yeah, but it's uh, but it's very different insofar as Gideon Zalalem is Nagby seven years. Higher. He's seven years younger than. Nagby. I would rank Nagby even higher, and I I'm just not impressed at all with what Nagby did on the national team, which is why I don't think I I, I don't think it's controversial that Quinsman started leaving him off because. I thought Nagby got his chance and, and didn't take it. And Yeah, but, but this is exactly what I'm saying, Paulie, is that, that Gideon Zalalem is at a point in his career where it is you – know, he's 19. <laughs> like, he's only 19. Okay, so he's got, you don't need to put him up there today. Like, that's the difference. 
Yeah. I don't think he's done something other than be very much hyped that he needs to get a, a, a look at with the national team yet. Like, do something with your club team that deserves a look, and I don't care how old you are, but at least earn the look and not just be hyped. You know, like Christian Pulisic was getting hyped, but he didn't get a call up to the national team until he started playing and scoring in the Bundesliga. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's fine. But also then, you know, who are these young players that you were speaking of that you want to be included into the team to be training with? I just, and then well, I, I, I think some of the young players, I think players like Julian Green, who isn't playing right now with Bayern Munich, but every time he, he steps on the field for Bayern Munich or the U.S. team, even though it's not a lot, he still seems to be scoring. Like I think he's a candidate for them to be like, oh, we're going to bring Benny Failhaber back into the team because he can help us now. And, oh, we just don't, you know, but, you know we're not dropping Jones or Bradley or question. We're going to drop Julian Green. Yeah. And it's just like, if you're going to stick with, if, I mean, like, what do you need Benny Failhaber for? He plays the same position as Pulisic. And if you have to play a 4-4-2 to accommodate Michael Bradley, which apparently everybody does have to do now because Bradley has made it clear you can't change formations on him, he'll change it back, which he in the last two weeks he's done with the U.S. and he did it with his club team last week also. Because um, Toronto, fun fact, Toronto in the playoffs of the MLS has been playing with a back three all playoffs and – that formation, which apparently is completely foreign to Michael Bradley, they've been using all playoffs, and it wasn't working in the playoff game against Montreal. So Bradley changed it. So if you're going to play like a 4-4-2, your number 10 is playing off on the wing. and which, like, So like, where are you going to use Benny Failhaber anyway? But I, just, it's, I don't want to see 30- and 31-year-old MLS players come back into the squad because they've been playing really well against MLS teams uh, in, as opposed to like giving a young player, regardless of what league he is, just the chance to sit on the bench and, and go through the experiences. Mm -hmm. Then we should say real quick that Gareth Southgate has been uh, interviewed by the FA, and uh, it's understood that he's been offered a four-year contract and could be presented as early as Monday. Are we going to say anything about Steven Gerrard? He retired, whatever. Um, <laughs> Congratulations on a great career. That... No, I mean, Congratulations on a great Premier League career that included zero Premier League titles and one really memorable, unforgettable final performance against Manchester United. Hey, I mean that that stuff that happens. There's great players that never gets to you know win the big thing. We've seen that in hockey too. I mean, we see that in multiple sports. Yeah, but you don't usually see it in the Premier League. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he stuck it out with Liverpool as long as he could. Um, so it is what it is there. But, yeah, of course, great career. Congrats on everything. Uh, let's see what happens with him now. Um, is he going to be coaching? I think he is. Right? No, well, he turned down MK Dons. Yeah, well, yeah, it, I would turn down MK Dons at this point. Do they have a buyback clause on Deli Ali? Just a mess. Uh, probably not. You know, hopefully for them to get a good sell-on clause when Barcelona or Real Madrid comes and scoops him up. Manchester United, when we have a real manager. Oh, $2 billion? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Do yeah. something. Mm. You need a spark. Okay, let's head over to the predictions. Uh, starting off with that early game on Saturday, Burnley against Manchester City. 
Burnley, yes, you're better at home, but yeah, City should take this one. Let's go 3-1. Yeah, gosh. Man, you're already stealing my scoreline, Seb. Yeah, don't don't do like me. I mean, let's see. I should say that heading into As this I... week, um, I only had two correct games last week. Uh, so I'm at 70 points. Paulie, you're at 85. You had five correct ones, and you got the United Arsenal scoreline correct. And Paul Elliot, you're in the lead with 90 points. You had five games correct. And if you, as I said on the last show, if you remember, Elliot, last time we did this, our remember? brains were both mush. Like yeah. the Costa Rica game actually killed us, and we still did better. Than <laughs> uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna go two one to City in this one. Well, I try to go a little bit outside the box. I could try and catch up to you guys, and it backfired. <laughs> um, I'm actually I'm gonna be a sucker for recent history, and I'm just I can't. I are you yes, going one one? Okay. Thank should you. buy them. Should destroy them. But I, I just think Burnley's doing it against everybody at home. Wow. Okay. One. One one from Polly there. Then uh, Liverpool taking on Sunderland. Uh, Sunderland enjoyed a couple of wins here, but. This is going to knock them back to earth. Liverpool are hungry for goals after being scoreless against Southampton. 5 nothing. Oof. Well, now I, I know mean, what my score is because I was between 5 nothing and something else. <laughs> I mean, L- Liverpool are going to thrash them. Eh, they could hit 5. Boy, at the beginning of this season, I was all confident that Arsenal had the best midfield in the league but even though I think that we've got a lot of talent I think Liverpool have clearly shown that it's at Anfield not the Emirates uh 3-1 3-1 wow that's a lot of faith for uh for someone I'm gonna Liverpool are going to hit six in this game Oof. oh dang I'll give Sunderland one because Liverpool do love to concede goals. Yeah, they do. You just got the hots for Jermaine Defoe. No, this isn't. This is going to be like a Van Arnhurl, like you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe John O'Shea on a set piece. Is he still alive? Uh, Leicester <laughs> taking on Middlesbrough at home. Uh, I mean, because they got the Champions League qualification back now. So let's go yeah. one nothing Leicester. Uh, Seb, are you going to make me regret this? <laughs> Probably. That sounds right to me. No, I'll give him two goals. Two nil Leicester. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Leicester play well after the Champions League. So, I'll I'll go two nil. Mm-hmm. Then Swansea, Crystal Palace. Actually, you know what? You yes. both are going clean sheets, so I'll give mm-hmm. Middlesbrough a goal. Okay. <laughs> two one. Swansea, Crystal Palace. This is it, Bob. You're going to get your first win. Two to one, Swansea. Congratulations, America. Yeah, eh, I'm. I'm also. I'm also picking him to finally get a win, but I'm just gonna say one nil to Swansea. I'm gonna say three two. Ooh, goal fest. Yeah. Oh, you guys are all picking. We're all picking Swansea. Maybe I should go for the draw. <laughs> and then. Oh God, this game's gonna be a draw. Yeah. Hull against West Bromwich Albion. Uh, Hull, they've stunk up the joint I can't here. believe Hull and West Bromwich Albion is taking place this weekend, and 
Elliot had the audacity to say Chelsea Tottenham is the game of the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Okay, so West Brom hit four on Burnley. They're going to hit three on Hull, three nothing, West Bromwich. No, scoreless draw. Wait, what did you say? Three nothing, West Brom. Okay, that's a little ridiculous, but yeah, keep going. Nil, nil, scoreless draw. I'm going to go 1-1 because the Elliot rules, and I I want it. No, you know what? Hull sucks. 1-0, West Brom. <laughs> they both... uh, all right. Yep. Then we got that Chelsea-Tottenham game. Uh, I don't know if Elliot's going to have one of those weird clauses again in his prediction. Um, so We did give him the point, even yeah, though did. his clause rendered his prediction useless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Chelsea, they're going to win. Are they going to keep a clean sheet? No. 2-1 to one Chelsea. 3-1, Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. It, one that gets out of hand. Mm, Watford, Stouk. Go, Stouk. Stouk. Oh, man. 1-1. One, one. I... I don't know. I, th- I think... I think this is one where, despite their excellent form so far this season, Watford slip up a little bit. 2-1 Stoke City. I have no idea who to pick in this game. I know. It's it's tough. <sighs> yeah, I, could, I could see these three points swinging in either direction or a draw. See, this is where you go with just Watford, Polly. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a winner out of this game for us. Yeah. to Watford. Then we got Arsenal, Bournemouth. Jack Wilshere will not be playing for Bournemouth as he's on loan from Arsenal. I think Arsenal still would win that game with Wilshere on the pitch for Bournemouth. Um, Are they going to do their let's shoot on net strategy or don't take any shots on target strategy? I mean, hey, it's miraculously it's, worked for them in their last two fixtures in all competitions. I mean, it's really worrying if you're an Arsenal supporter, Elliot. Oh, yeah, it's, that, it's terrible. You know, you, you got what? You you have four shots on target in the last three games? Yeah. Um, um, but against I, I, Bournemouth, no, you're still going to win this pretty comfortably. I'm going to say 2 nothing, and it will be a pretty much a cakewalk there. Two early I'm, goals. I am, gosh, I am so nervous about this game because I, I'm, I'm so tempted to pick another draw because I just don't feel that, I mean, we just, we have not looked, we've not looked switched on for 90 minutes in two weeks. And that's extremely disconcerting. Um, and, and I also think that even without Jack Wilshire. I, I do not trust Arsenal to keep Bournemouth at bay throughout this entire game, but I do trust Mesut Ozil's left foot to create something for us. So I think Arsenal win this game. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my faith in him that they actually put it together, but they're gonna let goals in too because Bellerin's not back. I'm gonna go three two to Arsenal. That was well, a long explanation for something just really ser- simple. Like, well, what? Give it one nil to Arsenal in a game they shouldn't win, but somehow something's going to go right with two minutes left, 
and everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my God, we're gonna win the league!" It's like, no, this is just blind luck, and eventually it's gonna stop. Well, I think that one thing. I mean, I hate El- this season, Elliot. If you if you look at it too, I mean, they've been struggling since Casorla's injury. Yeah, and seems, he and Bellerin are both still out. Yeah, it seems to be some lack of creativity there in midfield, and I'm pretty sure they would want Wiltshire back in the fold right about now. I know, I know. It's maybe the maybe this is like they're gonna recall him from loan immediately after the game. Like, oh well, you're here already, so yep. it'll just hang out. <laughs> eh, you can stay. You can stay. Okay, then we got Manchester United against West Ham. Ooh. How much do I read into the last game? I don't want to start this one. Elliot, you go first. <laughs> hey, how about Paulie goes first? He's, he's got the pole position on us picking last in all of these. All right, I'll, I'll go first. Well, this one's easy because I actually know what I was – this is the one that I knew what, what we're going to do going in. As I said earlier, I am a sucker for recent history, 1-1, because that's all that we could freaking do at Old Trafford. Uh, and somehow you guys don't think that we're the biggest disappointment of the season. Yeah, I, I think I think that. Oh boy, with a caveat that if Mkhitaryan doesn't start, this probably won't happen. But I I think that the struggling West Ham, you know, will have the the old story of ten people kick around. Dimitri Payet does something brilliant, but United still run out two one winners. Hmm. Sebastian, one nothing United. Always the optimist. Mm-hmm. Clearly not a Mets fan. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Is they just need Zlatan to come back from Tommy John surgery, and it'll all be okay. Mm. Then last game, Southampton against Everton. Two one Southampton. Hmm. I am going to pick this. Gosh, it's. No, I can't not pick a draw. I can't not pick a draw. 1 1. Two goals for Southampton. Maybe even Charlie Austin. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go with Nil Curry. goals what? for Everton. Wow. wow. They aren't playing well. Well, you got. They got on the skin of their teeth last week to Swansea. But we've got we've got a decent spread of picks this time. We're not all uh, clumped oh, up in the same that. side of every fixture. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll we'll see how this shakes out. Hopefully, I can make up some ground. I don't know. Um, final thoughts before we sign off. I actually have two this week. Oh uh, yeah. Well, why don't you let us off, Seb? Okay. Well, first off. Don't they know how to do taxes in uh, Spain? Uh, Yeah, Spanish prosecutors are seeking prison term of more than 10 years for former Barcelona striker Samuel Etu for alleged tax crimes committed when he played for the club. Maybe it's Barcelona? Yeah. It just doesn't know how to do the taxes. I mean, seriously, what is going on here? So Etu and some of his, uh, you know, representatives, they're being... uh, uh, prosecuted here by the Catalan courts. Uh, they've already had problems with uh, Javier Mascherano, who was handed a suspended one-year sentence for tax fraud. Uh, Adriano has been uh, charged with tax irregularities. Uh, Neymar, Lionel Messi. I mean, come on. What, what, don't you have people at the club that should help out with this type of deals? 
So they sh- they should. Yeah. So just bad overall on Barcelona. Come on, you're one of the biggest clubs in the world. Get your shit together. Uh, then the second one, Jolien Lescott, former Manchester City defender, former Aston Villa defender who left the club as they crashed out of the Premier League last season. He's... Owner of the largest forehead in yeah, in humanity. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, you know, former England international as well. So he went to Greek club AEK Athens during the summer. He's been there for less than three months, and now they just terminated his contract. Ooh. So uh, good on him. I mean, come on, really? How bad can you be? Uh, so now it, there's rumors that he's going to head to the MLS. Nice. Uh, yeah. There we go. Elliot, kick it off or keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. Keep I it think. going. Um, yeah, I. So to bring it back briefly to the U.S. men's national team, Michael Bradley said that uh, the players have to, quote, look in the mirror after the firing of Jurgen Klinsmann. And. You know, I've I've had a lot of time for Michael Bradley, and I still the goal that he scored against Scotland is still you know like that's a screamer that I will remember for the rest of my life. But when it comes to him personally, I that mirror should not be staring back with the U.S. men's national team jersey on it. I mean, I I don't know that we can really hope for Bruce Arena realistically to shake up this squad. But we've been talking about it on this show for a while, and the time the time for Michael Bradley here is over. It's just over. And, you know, he's another player that I'm fine to see on the bench, but if he's the first name on the team sheet moving forward, then the U.S. is really in trouble in World Cup qualifying. Uh, I'm going to keep it with American soccer, or what I thought was American soccer. Um, anytime that your your game is delayed by 40 minutes because you can't paint lines on the field in the correct spot. Yeah, oh my God, that was I'm, bad. I'm going to take notice, and that's when my friends – and that's when we all of a sudden – my friends and I kind of treat the uh, MLS the way everybody treats the EFL Cup. Uh, we don't pay attention until the semifinals. And so we, we got all in on the uh, MLS Eastern Conference Finals, and um, – I just I don't get how it's good for the growth of American soccer for them to allow two Canadian teams to be playing in the MLS Eastern Conference Finals. Um, that's probably not going to help the American TV ratings and, and their TV contracts in America. It did have the most viewers ever for a soccer game in Canada. I'm right. sure. Well, yeah, and it sold out. So. Set a record. Um, Search millions of jobs so on Indeed, including ones like sales executive. Grow in America and and expand in American TV markets. I think what the MLS needs to do is do what the NHL does and allow the Canadian teams in, but somehow make sure that they don't advance far enough into the playoffs that it doesn't hurt their ratings later on. <laughs> I actually have a third one too. Oh, okay. Sure. Save that for next week. No, no, I got to take this one. An (laughs) an Atletico Madrid supporter is suing UEFA for damages and losses after their Champions League final loss to Real Madrid. 
because <laughs> because Sergio Ramos' opening goal was offside. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, then oh I'm taking God. a second one. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, 10 a.m., is the Confederations Cup draw, which somehow is a televised event that's an hour long for an eight-team tournament that comes on a weekend during the time where all the leagues are playing to ensure that, like, no one's paying attention. I mean, come on. Come on, FIFA. Learn how to make money. So there you have it. Uh, we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, you can always follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Polly's Peak was WFAN. Elliot is Keats was better. And then follow FanRag Sports as well. So until next time, have a good one. Bye. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.